Good evening. This is a presentation of Movement Radio. Welcome to another edition of The Hauntings Of. And now, here are your hosts, Chip Hazard and Talon Williams. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Hauntings Of right here on Movement Radio. My name is Talon Williams alongside Chip Hazard. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we will be discussing the hauntings of the state of Utah. So, Chip, what can we look forward to in today's episode? Well, when you when you think about Utah, some of the things that probably spring to mind might be the large Mormon community, maybe skiing, a few national parks that that are full of oddly shaped rock formations, maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, however, Utah is also full of paranormal phenomena. So why don't we just jump right into it and talk about some of the most haunted places in the state of Utah? Yes, um, we're going to kick it off tonight. Um, I'm going to say this is I'm not butcher this McCune Mansion. I want to say that's how it's pronounced. And Sounds this is good in, to me. And this is in Salt Lake City, Utah. The McCune Mansion was built in 1901 and took around three years and one million dollars to build. Now, I know some of you guys are probably thinking $1 million, you know, to build a house. That's a little cheap. That's a little, you know, cheap compared to like some of the other houses. Like, you know what I mean? Like we like, I'm happy that I got a house for less than, you know, 150000 or whatever. Uh, but no, I mean, a million dollars back in 1901. Whew. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. But, but these days it is used as a venue for weddings and lots of other types of celebrations. There are said to be two different apparitions, however, that are haunting the building. A man in a black cape and a little girl of a, a little girl of about 10 years old who particularly enjoys when there is a wedding taking place. There is a picture of the little girl hanging in the mansion, so she is obviously a former resident. She is often spotted at weddings where she can be seen dancing and giggling. On the other hand, the man is usually seen around Christmas time interesting um so what are you thinking about this one so far uh okay so first of all in 1901 a million dollars uh is like to think in 2021 a million dollars is almost unreachable but in 1901 that's absurd yeah. Uh, I actually want to see, let's see. One Due to inflation, how much it would be today? $1 million dollars. On the fly research here at Movement Radio, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. So, the equivalent would be... Thirty-two million five hundred three hundred and fifty-seven dollars and fourteen cents. That's yeah, wow. That yeah, is, it, that's a lot of money. <laughs> right. So it says that the uh, the dollar had an average inflation rate of two point nine two percent per year between nineteen hundred and today, uh, producing a cumulative price increase of. 3150.04%. That's Jesus. 
yeah so i mean so that house went from being a million dollars in 1901 to 32 and a half million dollars a hundred years later that is crazy so So, crazy how that yeah so that's crazy in itself um but as far as the hauntings um you know there's a a little girl about the age of 10 so that that um worries me a little bit you know there there's a picture of a girl hanging in the mansion uh who, who may have been a former resident, but it doesn't say like, okay, so how did the little girl die? Where did she come from? First of all, and then you got a man in a black cape, but what are they doing? It doesn't say, you know, much of anything, you know, the, the little girl's spotted at weddings where can, she can be seen dancing and giggling. So she's a fun loving ghost. Right. Um, and then the, the man in the black cape, is usually seen around Christmas time. So, um, is he like, was he on his way to deliver presents or whatnot and, and died, uh, in some, some tragic ants accident of some sort, right? You know, is it, is, uh, it, I, it, I, is it Krampus? Who knows? <laughs> right. It's, it, it's one of those things I would like to know more. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, and again, man, you, you know how I feel about the, about the, about the dead kids. It exactly, it, it, that it bothers me to such a degree, you know, because, you know, you see the manifestation of children in an apparition. It's like, it, it, it's again, as a father, <clears throat> you want to, you know, make sure that your kids are always protected. And anytime you hear about oh, a 10 year old spirit, it's like, man, did the parents not protect you or did the parents harm you in any way? Or, But the article just said, you know, that she is seen dancing and giggling, like almost as if she just enjoys the weddings. And obviously, I mean, this place still holds weddings to this day, um, which, matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and look it up real quick. Mansion, yep, there it is right there, McCune Mansion. Um you can actually still, yeah, it says the perfect place for any event. It's actually pretty freaking beautiful if you look inside. Okay. Yeah, they got all kinds. They got, you know, corporate events, weddings, special events, talks about story. It has a gallery, um, beautiful courtyard and stuff. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this place, let me, if you, if you want a wedding, I mean, this would probably be the best place to have it. I mean, it looks, it looks like every, you know, every girl's dream wedding pretty much right if you just look at the pictures um it says you can even get a uh a two-hour minimum uh photography uh like they'll actually do your pictures for you and things of that nature you can rent you know uh they have uh they also do like blunt they provide you your lunch and everything like that um uh it said but according to the website it says uh it's 50 guests per room um and i don't know if it's 50 guests per room due to the covid restrictions or if it's just what it is uh because it says the entire mansion you can rent out the entire mansion uh it doesn't exactly give a price here it just says you can rent out the entire mansion uh, up to 200 guests so okay yeah and then there's rental properties on the property as well um if you want to up to 300 guests with a maximum of 500 guests for the summertime which I think they've scaled it back a lot due to uh, 
the COVID situation. And then they got corporate events, retreats, and things of that nature. Uh, so, um, but but I mean, but you, I would kind of like to hear like, I don't know about you, but I kind of would like to hear like eyewitness accounts from certain people who would want to, uh, you know, go to this place or whatever. Um, Cause looking on the website, it doesn't mention anything at all about a haunting or anything like that. No, um, not at all. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, I guess is appropriate considering that you would probably want to, uh, yeah. Okay. I just found it. Okay. So, so it's due to, due to the COVID-19 virus, our guest counts and services are limited. Uh, it says they're working with the CDC, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then it says for more information, just contact. So anybody wanting to, wanting to get married soon, if you feel the need to get married in Salt Lake city, Hey, McCoon man, uh, uh, is it McCoon mansion? Yeah. So that should be an interesting, uh, thing. And if you actually look at the picture that's provided for us on, uh, the website, it actually looks pretty cool. Um, and Chip, if they want to check out this, uh, picture, where can they go? Check it out at hauntedrooms.com. We're not sponsored. One day we hope to be. Exactly. Shout out to you, Haunted Rooms America. That being said, though, uh, let's move on to the next one. Chip, you got it? I do. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about the Mountain Meadows Massacre, and this is in Vayo, Utah. That sounds like a damn Western movie. Right. (laughs) So according to records, the Mountain Meadows Massacre happened back in 1857 when a group of settlers were brutally murdered by Mormon militia. Huh. That's interesting in itself. Yeah, not a not something I mean, not not something I would think the Mormons would do. Mm-mm. Murder? Mm-mm. Yeah. Not the Mormons. So somewhere between 100 and 140 people perished during the massacre. It is now said to be the one of the most haunted areas in all of Utah. Visitors tell tales of hearing the cries of victims being carried out or being carried upon the wind and say that they feel a terrible wave of sadness overcoming them anytime they're in the area where this um, massacre happened. Wow. Uh, Now, unfortunately, that's all that Haunted Rooms has to offer us. But I am sure that good old Wikipedia will have a little more about this massacre. Absolutely. Um, So the Mountain Meadows Massacre, it actually happened between September 7th and September 11th, 1857, and it was a series of attacks that resulted in the mass murder of, at a minimum, of 120 members of the Baker-Foncher Immigrant Wagon Trail wagon train uh the massacre occurred in southern utah at mountain meadows and was perpetrated by mormon settlers belonging to the utah territorial militia uh officially called the nauvoo legion n-a-u-v-o-o the nauvoo legion together with the southern uh pate native americans Okay, so the Mormons and the Native Americans teamed up and massacred a bunch of people. Wow. Yeah. That is uh, crazy. Yeah. There's there's a lot about this um on this Wikipedia page. I'll uh I'll share the link in the description once we release this episode, but um 
yeah, there's some conspiracies around, uh, revolving around it. Um, this is one of those we may have to go and do a deep dive in on a, a later episode because there's also an uh, a connection to uh, Brigham Young. Oh yeah, Brigham, uh, the the university or the or the men in question. Uh, the man in question, which the university is also named after, but yeah, Brigham right. Young. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah it, uh, that, yeah. One quote from Brigham Young uh, is, it, it's, it's very uh, omniscient, but um, he says, following the, it says, following the massacre, Brigham Young stated in public forums that God had taken vengeance on the baker Foncher party. And it is unclear whether Young held this view because he believed that this specific group posed an actual threat to colonists or because he believed that the group was directly responsible for past crimes against Mormons. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so. So he either acted out of, he either acted out of revenge or he acted out of um, a belief that pretty much God told me to kill you, pretty much. Correct. Um, which is also weird because I don't think God would tell anybody to kill anybody else. No. Um, no. Yeah. So. I mean, self-defense is one thing, but I mean, to just straight murder, I, I, I right. I think um, I, th- I think Jesus was a little bit more uh, <laughs> a little bit more passive than that. To be honest with you. Oh, um, I think he was a lot more passive than that. Now, I would like to know a little more about the hauntings. Um, however, I couldn't find anything about that. Um, right. You know, so- other than visitors saying that you know they just they can hear the cries. And then they feel the uneasiness and the sadness, um, right? Which I mean, people feel that way walking through, you know, graveyards and things of that nature too, you know. Exactly. Um, but the fact that this was people's final resting place, in a sense, um, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure the bot there, there, there's probably still bodies buried, you know, out there in the middle of nowhere, Utah. Oh, um, I'm sure. So, yeah. That being said, though, um, we're going to move on to the next one. This is Rock Canyon, and this is in Provo, Utah. Now, Rock Canyon in Provo is a very popular climbing spot, but only for experienced climbers. There have been a number of deaths due to climbers losing their grip on the steep rock face and plummeting into the canyon below. These tragic deaths have combined, I'm sorry, contributed to the negative energy in the area and the surrounding campgrounds are believed to be haunted. The most common sighting is of a man standing on one of the high rocky ledges. He is said to stare down at the living before running towards, running straight towards them at an impossible angle down to the steep rocky face. He vanishes into thin air just before he is about to make contact with the ground. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. I mean, I mean, could you imagine? Like, you're just you're not paying attention. You're just seeing you, you see somebody up there, and you're like, or you think you see somebody up there, and it's like, oh shit, what's he doing? <sighs> Excuse me, like, he a base jumper? What's going? Oh shit! You turn around. You're expecting to hear a thud. You hear no thud. You just look, and it's like, where'd that guy go? Right? I mean, should we go? Should we go help? See if he needs help or something? You get over there, you don't see no hide, no hair of him, and it's like, what the hell's going? On? Like, what, what the hell just happened? 
I mean, yeah, but the fact that so many people have died climbing the climbing this uh, canyon, I mean, you would definitely feel a, a bit of uneasiness going to this place, believing that you can climb it and making it to the top. Um, you know, well, well, how are you feeling about this one? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, there's definitely going to be some uneasiness there, uh, <clears throat> you know, but aside from that, you know, if I'm walking along and I see this dude just like staring down at me and I'm like, man, what the fuck is he staring at? And all of a sudden, you know, he starts running straight down this, uh, this this mountain towards me and i'm like man this dude is fucking insane like i'm i'm not even waiting on him to reach the bottom because i'm taking off right right Right? i'm I'm gonna clock a faster time than usain bolt right (laughs) no right but then i turn around to see where he's at and the dude just vanished like no i may not even turn around no like that, that's like, did you see him fall? I seen him jump at me. Okay, well, what'd you do? I ran. What the fuck you think I did? Right. What the fuck would you do? <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? Anyway, but yeah. So any skilled, um, experienced climber, if you dare to uh, venture the journey to Rock Canyon in Port in uh, Provo, Utah, you know what? Do you, boo boo? I ain't going. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Um, out. Nope, not at all. Yep. All right. You got the next one. I do. Next up, we're going to talk about Devereaux Mansion, and this is in Salt Lake City, Utah. Bring so the Luke Devereaux. Sorry. <laughs> so the oldest part of the Devereaux Mansion dates all the way back to 1857 when it was built by William C. Staines, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who traveled to Salt Lake City from England with the first pioneer groups. Uh, Now, it changed hands several times over the next few years and was almost destroyed by a fire in 1979. Since then, it has been renovated and opened as a restaurant and wedding venue. It seems like Utah has a lot of wedding venues. Yeah, I know. It's like that's the place to get married or something. Yeah. Um, It is also said to be incredibly haunted. There are at least two ghosts who call the Devereaux Mansion home. The first is a young girl who has a particular affinity for playing tricks on the kitchen staff. She's also known to wave at people at night. So she seems like a, a good, fun-loving spirit. Right. Um, <clears throat> now, the second spirit is thought to be either the former lady of the house or a head housekeeper. In contrast to the cheerful little girl, she is said to be far more aggressive toward visitors Although it is believed that she believes she is simply protecting the mansion from misuse. So she's more of the protect. I mean, that would lean more toward lady of the house. Right. And head housekeeper. Right. You know, because the housekeeper would just make sure everything's clean and taken care of. And the staff's, you know, well behaved and stuff like that. Lady of the house, though, she could be like, this is my house, bitch. I run this. What what are you going to do? You know, um. So, could these two spirits be intertwined with each other? Could that be, you know, the daughter, or and, and the lady could be the mother, 
is that why maybe she's more protective of the house possibly you uh, know it's it's very possible now um one thing that i do find from or not familiar uh but but interesting is that um at one point <clears throat> the son of said Brigham Young, Joseph Young actually owned this house. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's there's a connection there between uh the 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 massacre there at um what was it, the Mountain Meadows massacre and this uh Devereaux mansion. Right. Uh, you know, there's there's a little bit of um lost my train of thought there. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, a connection. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry. There you go. Um but now the Devereaux house is listed on the, the US National Register of Historic Places uh since nineteen seventy one. So right. Uh, and it is currently owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Yeah. And for the people out there who don't know what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is, it is, it is pretty much the Mormon church, basically. Yeah. Um, it, they, uh, it, it's often informally called the LDS Church or Mormon Church, but it's uh, right. the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and if you don't know what what a Mormon is or what their religion is. Uh, part of their religion is they, um, they believe that you can have more than one wife. Right. Polygamy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they're the ones who show up, you know, on, on 10 speeds in the morning. You know, like I had, I had a, I won't say a, you know, like, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll come to the door and knock on the door, you know, you answer the door and you're like, hello. And it's like, you know, Hey, we're from, you know, we're from the, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We just have some information for you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm Baptist. Sorry. <laughs> you know, no, no offense, but no, you know, good yeah. luck, you know, uh, but whatever. Now and I know we're not talking religion at this point, but uh, since it seems to be revolving around a lot of the, uh, the haunted areas here, um, the uh, the LDS Church is actually the third largest Christian denomination in the United States, uh, with sixteen point six million members. Right. So you said it's third, so that means it's behind the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. Um, I would say so. Yeah, maybe maybe. Maybe Catholic the Southern, and Baptist. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Southern Baptist Convention, probably. Maybe. Yeah, probably. It, it doesn't give me what the top two are. And I'm sure I could do some research. Actually, um, it goes... Well, you have the, the Protestant mainline, which is uh, Baptist, non-denominational, Methodist, Pentecostal, Lutheran, uh, Presbyterian... And all that, and then you have the evangelical, the evan evangelical. Jesus, I cannot. I can't uh, talk this evening. No, I can't. And then you have mainline pro Protestants, 
uh, and it goes on from there. So, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe one day we'll talk about uh, a little bit of religion, but uh, maybe not. We'll see. Maybe not. We'll see. <clears throat> we're just talking right. about it now because it's coinciding with everything that we're talking about today. Exactly. The next one that we're going to talk about is a little place called the Old Tool Hospital or Tule. That's yeah, sorry, the Old Tule Hospital. This is in Tule, Utah, otherwise known as Asylum Forty Nine. Now I know about this one because it was on an episode of Ghost Adventures. So I do remember. I remember that episode very specifically. Now I remember the front very specifically. Um, but let me break this down for you guys. In 1980, I'm sorry, in 1873, um, the Tule Hospital was built as a family home for Samuel F. Lee. However, in 1913, it, it had been turned into a home for the elderly. These days, it is, a uni- it is unique in half of the property is still a nursing home, and the other half is a haunted attraction. Excuse me. It is okay. also one of the most yeah, it is also one of the most haunted places in the state of Utah. Lots of people have described the ghost of a little girl named Jessica who will follow them around while others comment about a former patient by the name of Wes. There are also reports of the original owner Samuel F. Lee haunting the building. There is also a much darker and more malevolent spirit in the abandoned session section of the hospital. And no one is keen to go there by themselves. Yeah, um, and if you actually go to, um, they actually have a, a website, um, asylum49.com. And when you click on it, oh boy, <laughs> it, it definitely takes you to a freaky, uh, freaky area. Um, uh, I'd recommend you check out the website. The website's actually pretty cool. Um but yeah, I mean, this. I mean, it's it's it definitely has them. I mean, if you look at the pictures, and it's uh, it, it's creepy. Um, but you can get tickets and stuff like that. Um, it it, it says that the twenty twenty one events are being planned as of right now. Um, yeah. I'm assu- I think they're assuming that they're going to get everything ready by uh, for Halloween. And things of that nature. But if you look at their hours, they're closed on Sundays and Mondays, and then it's open from seven p.m. to set to uh, ten p.m. Um, Tuesdays Tuesday through Thursdays. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And then Friday oh. and Saturday at seven is seven to midnight. Okay. Um, so they do do ghost adventures and things of that nature. Uh, so Chip, what are you thinking so far? Uh, well, <clears throat> I was hooked until. I found out that it's basically a um, a haunted house, like that, you know, you put up at Halloween, and yeah. then I was like, oh, so they made all this shit up. Yeah. That's just where my mind went. I mean, I'm not saying right. they actually made it up, but that's where I go. You know, right? If, if you if, go, yeah, I'm sorry. If you go to the uh, the Asylum Forty Nine uh, Facebook page, it's got some pretty uh, <laughs> some pretty effed up stuff. Um, it's got videos. It's got um, this one thing called uh, it's called Elgin God of Pain. 
or something like that. Um, and there's like they, they do profile pictures of different people um, in these different weird costumes and stuff. It looks very horror esque. Um, yeah, you got yeah. some wicked looking <clears throat> demon creatures and stuff like that. And well, and the fact that on their website. It says, attention, due to COVID-19, there will be no contact this year. That tells me that they, you know, I, and I haven't been here. I haven't seen any videos, or but, like, some of their uh, workers, their, their, their ghosts or poltergeists or scary beings um, can actually reach out and touch you. Uh, and so with COVID-19, they're... They're not doing that. That also, uh, for me, throws up a red flag. Like, yeah, um, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, and even then, and even then, you know, when um, when the Ghost Adventures team did the uh, the search, you know, did the stuff and did the you, did, you know did the whole late night hauntings and things of that nature, staying overnight and stuff. Um, you know, they did have some quote unquote, you know footage and things of that nature or uh you know emps and things of that nature but it wasn't anything like it wasn't like when they went to like damn like dracula's castle or some shit you know right. um where you can like audibly hear certain things or whatever um although you kind of want to delve deeper into the darker more malevolent spirit uh in the hospital um but yeah, I mean, for 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 all for all intents and purposes, like if I mean, if this was abandoned or something, then it would probably have a little bit more validity to it. But the fact that they are using it as, you know, as a means to make money based, you know, centered around ghosts. Now, now I'm not saying that it's not haunted, but I'm just saying that the embellishment of the hauntings is probably more uh, realistic than maybe what the hauntings actually are, you know, if that makes any sense. Right. That that's what I'm saying. And you know, I'm not saying they're not real, but I'm saying that they're uh probably pretty embellished at this point since you're using it as a haunted house attraction. Right. And who's to say that if you if we if you if you if you go there, you won't have an experience. I mean you know, because it, it fires up the imagination, especially with, with a lot of the ghost tours and things of that nature. Yeah, it does make you, it, it taps into your fears in some cases, you know, because, I mean, you could be scared of spirits and or whatever it is, you know. Exactly. Um, but but that being said, let's move on from there to, oh, another creepy place. Um, actually, it's in the same town, too. So, go ahead, Chip. Yep, uh, we're going to talk about the, the Mercure Cemetery. And this is also in Tule, uh, Utah. So old cemeteries are pretty creepy at the best of times. But when there are reports of paranormal activity in the area, it gets that little bit more terrifying. This is the case with the Mercure Cemetery in Tule, Utah, which is said to be one of the most haunted cemeteries in all of Utah. Okay. Um, right. It has been said that a phantom horseman gallops across the cemetery at night and many visitors report hearing phantom footsteps and seeing shadowy figures interestingly it seems like most of the spirits haunting the cemetery are actually children son but of it a is bitch not clear why oh um yeah 
So 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 we got a whole bunch of dead kids and fucking Sleepy Hollow, pretty much. Right. So um now I didn't say he was a headless horseman, he just said a phantom horseman. So Right. You know, he ain't no telling who a phantom horseman could be. Um uh, but now just a little more about the uh Mercure Cemetery. Um it says there's no plastic uh, prosthetic monsters or actors playing ghosts here. Hidden just 20 minutes west of Leia, uh, Utah, is Mercure, a true Old West ghost town, mysterious and frustrating. Frustrating to ghost town buffs because the town has been destroyed and access is forbidden. Uh, there's nothing left as the entire town site has been destroyed by modern strip mining. The town is owned by the Barrick Gold Company, which has closed it to the public. There is one significant part of this history still open to the visitors, and that is the cemetery. Uh, Mercure is the real deal, and if you're looking for a spooky outing, a visit to the Mercure Historic Cemetery offers history, fascination, and humanity, and it's free. Be sure to take water and be prepared to hike a short but steep hill. Now, the cemetery is mysterious because there is only one grave out of the roughly two dozen found here that is marked with an engraved headstone, and even that is now illegible. Who are the men, women, and children buried here? The desert stones originally used to outline boxes around the graves are still intact. Nestled in a canyon in the uh, Okura, O-Q-U-I-R-R-H, mountains, Mercure became Utah's first mining district after a vein of silver was discovered in 1863, and according to the Liberty of Congress, uh, but the town itself did not spring to life until 1893, so 30 years later, when a new chemical process gave miners the ability to extract gold from the low-grade ore. Um, so then in 1902, a disastrous fire roared through Mercury's business district and the town never fully recovered. In subsequent hmm. years, profits began to fade and miners looked elsewhere for riches. The gradual death of the town was documented in the pages of the Mercury Miner newspaper. Um... So there is interesting. That. Yeah. So basically the cemetery is full of a bunch of pauper's graves, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh so so there's only one out of the uh one one single grave out of the roughly twenty four found here that is marked. And even that one's almost illegible. Correct. Crazy. Crazy. You know, and, and then the fact, I mean, just hearing the footsteps of the shattered figures. Oh, excuse me. Well, I, for some reason, I cannot seem to quit yawning. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that it, you know, it was that the cemetery is the only place that's open to tourists in this area, you know. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know why you would want to go to a cemetery as a tourist, but, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess some people 
some people would like that. Yeah, some people do. I mean, I've seen this, uh, I've seen a lady on a TikTok, she goes around to different graveyards and she'll clean the headstones. Um, you know, maybe these stone, maybe the, maybe the headstones just didn't, you know, it's just so much wear and tear on them over the years that just, yeah, it, it makes sense that the names are unrecognizable, you know, right. or the one grave, or the one name was unrecognizable. That being said, though, we're going to move on from the creepy-ass cemetery to a uh, another place that's called Moon Lake, and this is in High Unitas, Utah. At first glance, Moon Lake is a beautiful and placid location. It is no surprise that it is a popular campsite. However, appearances can be deceiving, and this spot is actually one of the most haunted places in the state. Those who camp there often find themselves encountering the ghost of a young girl who has clearly been the victim of drowning in the lake. She appears dripping wet, and her skin is bloated and and tinged with blue. It seems that she does not fully understand that she has passed away and is looking for her family. Okay, creepy. Moon Lake is also said to be the home of a water-dwelling cryptid that looks like a giant serpent. Okay, hold on. I got to look this up. Hold on. I'm on it right now. (laughs) Anytime, like, you see, like, like cryptid, like, I'm all for... Uh, we're all for cryptid, as you probably heard in, uh, yeah, Moon Lake Resort, Ghost and Mom. Okay, so here's one from, uh, yeah, this is from Moon Lake Resort, out of this world, but still in Utah. Um, so what it says here is that several several Moon Lake recreationists have had an encounter with unexplainable phenomena some would call monsters or ghosts. Here are several accounts that people have shared. If you have an encounter of your own, please share it here, and we will leave comments below. Moon Lake is probably one of the most famous is most famous for the sighting of a creature in the lake that most people accurately be described as something similar to the Loch Ness monster. However, since our monster lives in Moon Lake, we call her Mooney. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So we got Nessie, Nessie and Mooney. Nessie and Mooney, right. Okay, so following an article written by one of the previous owners of Moon Lake Resort, Bill Reardon, for the newspaper of several first-hand accounts of the campers luckily enough to spot. Okay, it says, Many tall tales are spun in the smoke of the campfire, but few places can boast the diversity, imagination, myth, and mystery of those about those told at Moon Lake. On a star-splattered summer night, some inquiring minds will want to know what about the monster at the bottomless lake. The Terrain River Channel, the huge brown trout that could to and may still populate the lake. The Spanish gold uh, artifacts, the lost road mine, the local Indian and rancher tales, meetings with moose and bear and badger and countless other campfire topics. Um, it's, it goes on to say, I first heard of the Moon Lake monster from Gary Sutherland, father of one of the current owners at Moon Lake Resort, at my first campfire circle back in 1994. 
Oddly enough, this seemingly far-fetched yet detailed account of the lake monster, lake monster sighting turned out to describe a phenomenon I witnessed three weeks later and I have yet to explain. With no twinkle in his eye nor tongue in cheek, Gary described what I might see if, conditioned were, if conditions were right and were damn lucky. He said the lake would be calm, even mirror glassy, with no wind or boats to create a wake. This would only occur in the mornings and around dusk because throughout the day, throughout the rest of the day, breezes from ruffles in the lake surface camouflaging an apparition would camouflage the apparition of the monster. When it did appear, however, one would say a V-shaped ripple moving slowly but steadily through the center of the lake, usually coming from the north end, a zigzagging pattern, but mostly running closer to the far shore. He said it would appear like a rounded object pushing water in front of itself, moving smoothly enough to create a ripple but not breaking a wake. That's a very, very different description. Okay. Yeah. So he says, I walked. So it says, says, then one morning around mid June, I saw it. I was drinking coffee at, at daybreak in the Moon Lake Lodge, watching a mirror glass lake come to light. And there it was, exactly as Gary had described it. I glazed long enough to realize his warranted that this warranted a better look. I grabbed my binoculars and stepped down the back stairs outside the lodge. Sure enough, no wake. I walked toward the lake past the horseshoe and volleyball courts and stood up to the log near the flagpole. I focused the binoculars again to the apex of the V as it appeared in the shore, near the shore. The binoculars gave me a clear enough sight to know that this was no beaver and I had not and I'm sorry and I don't know if any fish species that schools in a goose-like v formation like this no log stump boat duck or wind was making this ripple and it was and it was the only thing moving in the lake it zigzagged towards the far shore not sharply though but rather at a wider than right angle from the direction it traveled near me as it headed away the observation I observed the apex of the back and could see nothing breaking the surface, only the rounded push of the water at one point, seemingly just below the surface. That point looked the same coming and going. I walked back to the lodge wondering what I, what I still wondered today. What the hell was that? <laughs> so there you go. It, it, that, that's, that's part of it. <laughs> So this is what his experiences was with the cryptid that's in the uh, Moon Lake, if you will. What do you think it so far? Um, it makes me believe more that the Loch Ness monster might be real. There you go. I mean, you got <laughs> lo- you got Nessie and Mooney. There you uh, go. But yeah, uh, I don't know. This seems like a very interesting place altogether. Um, Speaking of Moon Lake, um, you know, uh, there there seems to be this tragedy of this this young girl who uh, who drowned, but doesn't really know that she drowned, right? Um, you know, 
And the fact yeah. that, you know, it, you can see her and she's dripping wet. Her skin is bloated and she has a tinge of blue on her skin. So you can obviously tell that, you know, this person, this being uh, drowned and was in the water for, you know, a good bit of time. Um, but then then to come out with uh, the cryptid there, it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting just to yeah. say the least. Yeah, very interesting. Um, you know, when you see the girl, you know, she's dripping wet, skin bloated, you know, a shade of blue, not fully understanding if she had died because she's still looking for her family. This seems more like a lost soul than it is a haunted, like, evil, malevolent spirit. You know what I mean? Right. Almost a tragic spirit in a sense. So, but... But yeah, that, that that one was very very interesting. Um, and if anybody lives in uh, High Unitas, uh, Utah, and you have you know of the story of Mooney at the Moon Lake Resort, let us know. Send us a message, uh, MovementRadio.us. Let us know what you uh, let us know what you say. That being said, let's move on to the next one. You got it, Bubba? I do. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Southern Utah University, and this is in Cedar City, Utah. So the Southern Utah University is allegedly very haunted and there have been plenty of tales of the paranormal from students and faculty members alike. One of the most common occurrences is a ghostly pianist who regularly plays Deep Purple in Broadway Fine Arts Gallery. Apparently, she had been due to play that song at the junior prom, but died before she had the chance. Oh, okay. Tragic. Um, Very. But this is not the only musical spirit that is said to haunt the Southern Utah University campus. In Old Maine, there is said to be a specter named Virginia who plays unnerving flute music. She has also been blamed for setting the building on fire in 1948 on the 50th anniversary of her death. She was Fuck. apparently found brutal... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was apparently found brutally murdered and draped over a large piece of sandstone. The same rock was apparently used in the building, which is why she is tied to the building, making it one of the most haunted buildings in Utah. Uh, what the fuck really yeah oh my so we god have, uh, we have two instances of great tragedy uh you have uh, a young lady who was set to play uh the song deep purple uh at the junior prom and shortly before the junior prom she dies um and it doesn't say how she died but Either which way, I that's tragic in itself, any young person that dies. Exactly. Um, but then you have this this other lady who um, who is named Virginia, and uh, she plays this really unnerving flute music, but they found her brutally murdered and draped over a large piece of sandstone, and then they take that piece of sandstone and use it to build the building so she burns the motherfucker down 
Yeah. So she's respond like. It, so, okay, I'm trying to make I'm trying to make sure that I'm getting this in, in chronological order. It says that she was blamed for setting the. Okay, so she was murdered, and then draped over a large piece of limestone. That same damn limestone was used to build the building. Yeah, no wonder she fucking set the building on fire, you motherfucker. You done br- br- brutally murdered her. You know, it's like she's taking right. revenge. She's taking revenge out on school. You know. Um. So does that mean on the one hundredth anniversary was there a fire in nineteen ninety eight? Oh, I mean, or was there something different for the one hundredth anniversary? Right. Let's see if we can find any information. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, hmm. Nothing there. So let's see. Uh, yeah. Very, very interesting episode today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Um. I'm not showing anything. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not seeing anything um, about anything that happened on the the 100th anniversary. Uh, what yeah. year did you say that would be? 19 what? That would be 1998. No, no, no. Hold on, man. Let me go back. Let me go back. I'm going to see. Yeah, because in 1948, so you add 50, that'd be 1998. Yeah, so it'd be 98 and would be the yeah. 100-year anniversary of her death. Mm-mm. No, I don't see no. anything. Nothing about it there. Uh, <sighs> yeah. So, no, most recently uh, in July, actually July 27th of this year, uh, flash floods impacted Southern Utah University. So, was that more the weather, or was that more her? Though, I, I mean, depends on how you want to take it, I suppose. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yep. All righty. Well, that being said, let's move on to the very next one. Um, this is Rio Grande Depot, and this is also in Salt Lake City, Utah. The Rio Grande Depot is said to be haunted by a spirit known as the Purple Lady. It is believed that she died when she chased down an engagement ring which was thrown into the path of a train. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Fucked up, ain't it? It is said that she haunts the ladies' rooms throughout uh, the depot. She is often spotted in other spots around the depot. The Purple Lady is not alone in the hauntings at the Rio Grande. There is also a man haunting this building. It is said that he died during construction of the depot's tunnel. He is now said to haunt the the basement of the building. Okay. Um, yeah, so, okay, so very, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to type in Rio Grande just real quick and see if it will pop anything up. Oh, Okay, hold on a second. Okay, because okay, so they got a website. Okay, it took me to a DHA file. What the fuck? Why would I even go to a JPEG? All right, so 
different one. Okay. All right. So I, all right, so I found one on visitsaltlake.com. Uh, this is a Rio Grande Depot, also known as um, the Utah State Historical Society. Um, and it is a, yeah, built in 1910. The Denver, Rio Grande, and Western Wear Railroad is one of the most state's grandest buildings. It is it is houses, state history offices, the Utah History Research Center, the Rio Gallery, and the Rio Grande Cafe. So it is pretty much a, a museum, in a sense, if you yes. will. Yes, that's um, what it sounds like. Yeah. So, and uh, there's a Wikipedia page on it, obviously. Uh, it's a former train station in the western edge of downtown uh, Salt Lake City. Um, it says, I'll just read, read this to you real quick. It says, the depot was constructed by the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railroad in 1910, and it cost, at the time, $750,000. The depot is, I'm sorry, was the main jewel of the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railroad and was designed by Chicago architect Henry Schlacks, once that's how it's pronounced, who was best known in Chicago for designing of churches, but had also designed the Denver and Rio Grande Depot in Grand Junction, Colorado for the railroad. It was specifically intended to surpass the nearby Salt Lake City Union, Union Pacific Depot, which had been built in the previous year for $300,000. Schlacks' relationship with the DNRG was uh, fraught with antagonism mainly over his pay which led to delay in the depot's construction one interesting and iconic point was that slack's brother was dngr's vice president uh the depot was built with elements of uh, uh renaissance revival and bow arts the high arch windows at the center were originally installed with green glass to keep the waiting area cool the depot Includes a barbershop, included a barbershop, a restaurant, a men's smoking room, and a ladies' lounge. There was also a telegraph office and a souvenir slash snack bar. The depot opened Salt Lake City to a new influx of immigrants. The depot was also the center point in shipping soldiers off to war in both World War One and World War Two. The rise of the highway auto travel in the 1950s struck a huge blow to the to the rail travel service at the depot as the depot dwindled. The depot was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1975. The state of Utah purchased the depot in 1970 for one U.S. dollar. Oh, wow. Yeah, one U.S. dollar. Okay. It's called a pepper. It's called a peppercorn, and basically, in legal in legal words, a peppercorn is a metaphor for a very small cash amount payment or other normal compensation used to satisfy the requirements of the creation of a legal contract. Huh? So you couldn't sell it just to sell it. You had to actually pay for it. So they just sold it for a, a dollar. Okay, uh, and the building is currently home to the Utah State Historical Society and its research center, the Utah Department of uh, Heritage and Art, as well as the Rio Gallery. Um, now, from 1986 to 1999, the depot served as Salt Lake City's Amtrak station, replacing the Union Pacific Depot, and was served by the California uh, Zephyr uh, 
Desert Wind, and the Pioneer Trains, with the latter two having been discontinued in 1997. California Zephyr uh, runs only uh, once daily, ran once daily between Chicago and Emeryville, California. The former Desert Wind ran daily through Chicago to LA, and the former Pioneer ran from Chicago to Seattle. And by 1999, Amtrak had moved to Salt Lake City's uh, Interhub, Intermobile Hub, after which the tracks near the depot were permanently removed. So there's the history of that. Unfortunately, not really much to do about the hauntings, unfortunately. Not really anything to do. But when we get to the actual hauntings, when they talk about the purple lady, is she purple because she got ran over by a damn train and that's just the bruises that you're seeing? Or why is she known as the purple lady? Did right. she always wear purple? Like, you know, and it's interesting they say that she haunts the ladies' restrooms throughout the whole depot. And, you know, why specifically those specifically? You know, I guess you can't go in the men's restroom. I guess I don't know. So, what are you thinking so far? Uh, I don't know. I want to know why the lady's purple, first of all. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just do. I want to know. Uh, right. And I want to know more about the uh, the man that is haunting the building. Because right. it doesn't say much. It just says he died during construction of the depot's tunnel. And now he haunts the basement. Right. So nothing concrete about that one either. No. Um, no. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> that being said, yeah. So that being said, let's move on to the very last one of the evening. You got it? I do. Next up, we're going to talk about the Bigelow Hotel, and this is in Ogden, Utah. So surrounded by natural beauty, by the natural beauty of Utah and noted for its Italian Renaissance revival architecture, the Bigelow Hotel has a long history of spooky rumors, as well as legends of ghostly guests, including a mother and son who decided to stay together long after death. Okay. So, um, legend tells that legend tells that the hotel was used as a boarding house during the Prohibition era. A lot of people came together to make a tunnel that could be used for smuggling alcohol. It was not unusual to find uh, prostitutes and other unscrupulous characters to go in and out of the hotel. One of the most popular ghosts associated with the hotel is that of a mother and her son. One incident occurred in room 1102. A lady was spending her honeymoon, <clears throat> a lady was spending her honeymoon, and on the night of her wedding, she drowned in the tub. Guess, oh shit! Yeah, that's that's tragic in itself. Exactly. Uh, so guests who have checked in the room have reported several unusual events. Water in the tub runs by itself, and they felt that they were being pushed by an unseen hand. Uh, <laughs> like in the tub, or <laughs> I, just in general, I suppose. Right. It doesn't really say. So, um, after his mother died, the bride's son came to the hotel to collect his mother's personal belongings. He stayed in the room just beside 
where his mother had passed away. He became severely depressed over what happened to his mother uh, so so much that he decided to take his own life. Mm. And guests have reported hearing someone talking in the room, and others have reported seeing a hanging apparition. Um, the elevators in the Bigelow Hotel have been known to act in a very odd manner. They move on their own regularly as spirits travel throughout the hotel in the dead of night. They tend to move randomly to different floors with no particular pattern. <clears throat> and they've been checked by lifting engineers on numerous occasions and no fault can be found. Oh, wow. Yep. Uh, so the Bigelow Hotel was originally built in 1891. Back then, it was known as the Reed Hotel. Uh, it was completely reworked in 1927 in order to make it a fireproof hotel and meet safety regulations of the time. Eleven more stories were added to the hotel, and it was renamed the Bigelow Hotel. Mariner S. Escaliz purchased the hotel in 1933 and renamed it the Ben Lomond Lom Hotel. And during the 1980s, the hotel was once again renovated and made into a 120-suite condo hotel. Hmm. Uh, today, the hotel still has its crystal chandeliers, decorative ceilings, and marble floors. It has been listed on the National Historical Registry, uh, and the original building was designed by Hodgkins and McLennan? Okay. Um, they also designed the Ogden High School, the Egyptian Theater, and the Forest Service Building. The hotel style was inspired by the 15th and 16th century Italian architecture. Mm-hmm. Like the big arching windows, almost like stained glass almost? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can, well, actually, if you look at the picture that they give us, it, it looks very kind of mundane uh it's kind of like an l-shaped building almost with uh rectangular windows uh right. the only arches are like on the first floor there's there's several arching windows but it doesn't look you know like super spectacular or anything like right. that right um so uh bigelow hotel has 11 floors with 23 executive suites six two-bedroom suites, 58 standard suites, and 12 short-stay suites with full kitchens. It also has event spaces for parties that can accommodate up to 300 guests. Business travelers will be happy to know that the hotel also has a business center and a teleconference service. Spacious suites are ideal for travelers on business, people on short visits, or families visiting Ogden. Short-stay condos with full kitchens are for people who want to experience the comforts of home while in Ogden. Uh, Matt Cool's Public Restaurant and Bar is an Irish pub-style restaurant that not only serves uh, sumptuous lunches and dinners, but also offers HDTV sports and live Irish music. McCool's Lambs is the restaurant specialty? Oh, we might have me have me have me some lamb. <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> the hotel offers also offers packages for bridal showers, weddings, and receptions. There are rooms that can accommodate as much as 300 people or as little as five. The Grand Ballroom has high decorative ceilings and crystal chandeliers, which will make your wedding an unforgettable day. The hotel's wedding package includes wedding consultations as well as basic setup and takedown of chairs and tables. So, so there you go, man. Yep. Sorry. So, so what you thinking of the the hauntings at this point? Um, I, I think that the hauntings are more tragic than they are I, I, scary. I think yeah, very tragic, very mundane. And I hate to use that word um, because you know two people died. Uh, one one lady drowned the day before her wedding, and then her son killed himself because he was distraught over you know, what happened to his, his mother, but, uh, right. it, it's, it's very mundane. Like if you go back to two weeks ago, uh, or even two weeks before that, when we talked about Tennessee and Texas, like there was some, some real shit going on there. <laughs> right. This, like the whole state of Utah kind of feels black, maybe. In 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 a way, but I feel like a lot of it, like I feel like a lot of it has to do because you know Utah, you know, you get a you get a sense that there's a lot of like I mean the the cryptid thing. All right, well let's let, let's do this then. Um, out of all the ones that we talked about tonight, which one did you personally think was the most interesting one out of all of them? Uh, so the the for me there was actually two. Okay. Um, the the first one was the um, let me let me rephrase that. There's probably three. Uh, there's the uh, Mountain Meadows massacre in yep. in Veo. There's the Devereux Mansion in Salt Lake City, and the um, uh, Moon Lake in high unitis that i was gonna go with the same three moon lake for me was very interesting um from the standpoint that it did talk about the cryptid and then you had a backstory of a first-hand eyewitness account of it so right. it kind of get puts a little bit more validity to it so uh that one i i, I did appreciate that one um i like you know the old the old Tule hospital aka asylum 49 um but you know the fact that they have took the concept of it being haunted and has embellished it to what it is now. Um, it kind of takes the luster off of it a little bit for me. Um, but yeah, the Devereux mansion was, uh, was definitely one that I, that I was, and even, uh, rock Canyon in a sense, all was also interesting one, uh, from the standpoint, you know, like, you know, only for experienced climbers. And it's tragic in a sense because so many people attempted to climb this mountain only to meet their inevitable death, you know, and it, it, it's sad. Um, but then you see the sighting of the one guy on the ledges staring you down, running straight towards you down the impossible angle. And then he just disappears. You're like, you know, I don't even care. I'm just going to run, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, definitely Mountain Meadows Massacre was another one that was – very very interesting i wish that we had some more information on it um than what we did um 
but yeah, so it was definitely an interesting one. Right. Um, that being said, though, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning into this episode of The Hauntings Of. If I'm not mistaken, come back in two weeks and we're going to be... What is next? It, it Would it be Vermont? Am I correct in that? Uh, let's see. I, believe I think it is Vermont. Correct. Yeah, Vermont After is the very Utah, next one. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, you are correct. After Utah is Vermont. And yeah. then we're on the home stretch. We have Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming left. Yeah. We are slowly but surely uh, winding down on this series of The Hauntings of. Um, we, we touched on it two weeks ago. We touched on it a month ago that this has been probably our most successful series. Um, obviously, something about sports does great, and We Talk Wrestling does great, and you know, our rock retrospective, you know, has always been good. Uh, we, we actually need to get another one out soon. Um, but this has been the one that you guys wanted. Um, we did the original poll of cult classic movies or haunted places in America. Y'all overwhelmingly, I think, I think the number was 76% wanted us. You guys want us to talk about this. And then we created the series, the hauntings of, and I like to think if you go back and listen to that first episode to now, you see a complete metamorphosis of us just fine tuning the the way that we do the show fine tuning the way we do these episodes and you know not that i would want to go back and recreate um the old episodes to make them sound like what we do now with you know me doing the opening and things of that nature but just you see the the how um inexperienced we were in a sense with that coming to where we are now with these episodes and we again we're in the home stretch we got a whole lot more and we have a we have a, a, another another great uh idea for the next big series that we're going to be doing um and uh you know we're, we're not going to give you guys any information about that that's that is something you're definitely going to have to uh listen for uh in the near future uh that being said thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode we'll see you back here in two weeks for another episode of the hauntings of um, Chip, anything you want to say before we bounce out of here tonight? Um, as always, check out movementradio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio. Absolutely. Uh, shout out Sean Thompson at Thompson Personal Training, um, boxing, cardio, strength and conditioning. You guys know the drill. Um, yeah, check them out. Thompson Thompson Personal Training on Facebook. Our good buddies Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversation Podcast. Andrew and Sean over at the Warrior Workout Network. Uh, our good buddy Ivan Montanez, twitch.tv slash Unleashed Demon. So many cool things we got going on. Um, you know, and again, we cannot say this enough. Thank you guys so much. We love you. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you back here in two weeks with another edition of The Hauntings Up. Chip, let's hit him with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Go check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. And once again, check out movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. And I am Talon Williams. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan. <laughs>